so we're going to go to section two and say relative diminution of variable particle capital simultaneously with the progress of accumulation and of the concentration that accompanies it. Now, Good what the, Lord, Marks, the headers in this chapter, for fuck's sake. <laughs> it's like a more boring Grover it fur. It really is. Shit. <laughs> so anyway... Um, According to the economists themselves, it is neither the actual extent of social wealth nor the magnitude of the capital already acquired that leads to a rise in wages, but only the constant growth of accumulation and the degree of the rapidity of that growth. <laughs> and I, I'm going to go ahead and say, so far we've only considered one special phase of this process, that which the increase of capital occurs along with a constant technical composition of capital, like everything gets bigger. You know, that's, So far that's all we've looked at. He says, but the process goes beyond this. It does more than that. Once given the general basis of a capitalist system, then in the course of accumulation, a point is reached at which the development of productivity of social labor becomes the most powerful lever of accumulation. At some point, you can't just, you know, get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. At some point, you have to get smarter. You have to figure things out. You have to be more efficient, things like that. There's only so many bodies you can throw at a thing. Right. For a while, that works. been through this. For a while, that's a good thing. But at a certain point, it becomes, mm -hmm. it's not a sustainable system. Yeah. Um, and I was going to go down. Let me see. I had, I was... uh, this change in the technical composition of capital, this growth in the mass of the means of production as compared with the mass of the labor power that vivifies them, is reflected in its value composition by the increase of the constant constituent of capital at the expense of, expense of its variable con constituent. Good grief. There may be, for example, originally 50% of a capital laid out in the means of production and 50% in labor. Later on, with the development of the productivity of labor, 80% could be production, 20% in labor. This law of the progressive growth of the constant part of capital in comparison with the variable part at every step by the comparative analysis of the prices of commodities, whether we compare different economic epochs or different nations in the same epoch. The relative magnitude of the part of the price which represents the value of the means of production or the constant part of capital is in direct proportion to the progress of accumulation, whereas the relative magnitude of the other part of the price, which represents the variable part of capital or the payment made for labor, is in inverse proportion to the progress of accumulation. Capitalists yeah. always going to be making more money, even if they become you become hyper more efficient and they're paying less in, uh, in variable and more in constant. It's a ratio, and that yeah. ratio is always going to be adjusted by capital in their own interest. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of an automation set. I mean, that, that there's a lot of big words there, and then a lot of, like, you there know, were. Kind of just dragging out the sentence. So, to make that make more sense, okay, at some point, you can't just go, you know, sell more, sell more, sell more. And remember, they're racing for all these little advantages that give them, Correct. you know, more out of the labor power. And so, what's going to happen over time with that is, let's say you have, you know, 50% of your money in cashier, cash register equipment, stuff like that, and you have 50% of your money in cashiers running it to check out the stuff, and now all of a sudden you want to get like, oh, I don't know, maybe some self-checkout aisles. Well, now 70% is in that, that register equipment and 30% is in the cashiers, and so it's going to be more and more constant capital. Now, the variable capital is still important because... Uh, he can't make money without that. No. I mean, that, it's a big deal. He wants as much variable capital as possible. But he also wants as much constant capital as possible because then he can employ more variable capital. He can wield more power over it. And he's won all the advantages in the meantime. And so that's going to grow and grow and grow. And this is part of that, that polarization, that accumulation. You're going to wind up with people that own all of the property, that own, you know, all of the shipping methods and the Washington Post and all of the websites. And, and we're going to get there. That is that is coming as part. We're almost to that point. So yes, we're gonna, yes. So, let, so, so keep plowing here. 
Um, now, I, I, ooh, oh, I was oh. going to say, I don't know how soon you're jumping in with another note, but a couple paragraphs later, I was going to come back in and say, but if the progress of accumulation lessens the relative magnitude of the variable part of capital, remember, that's the, you know, going from 50% registers to 80% registers. Uh -huh. It by no means in doing this excludes the possibility of its rise in absolute magnitude. So that's saying, like, there's nothing saying that you can't have, you know, 50% registers and have six cash registers and six cashiers and not go to 12 registers with four of them self-checkout and eight cashiers. You still raised your ratio, but you've also raised your cashiers and just gotten bigger. You know, it's not saying you have to stay the same amount. You can do both of these at the same time. Correct. The other part of there, and, the, and another way to look at that, so the reason assembled, when he was talking about, he's talking about weaving in the paragraph before that. Mm -hmm. uh, and when you talk about the, the advances in the technology when it comes to weaving, a weaver, you could have your massive weavers and you could go from making 100 pounds of yarn to 1,000 pounds. The same weavers with new technology can make 1,000 pounds of yarn. Their output is incredibly more. Their value does not go up to scale to their output. The, the capitalist can gain more out of you without you without needing more of you mm -hmm. for lack of a better word there are ways that they can this is this is mark showing like hey guys there are other factors here of how capital will sneak around with without having to raise wages gdp can go up without population going up but that doesn't mean population's not going to go up exactly people they're they're going to find ways to to manipulate this system in their favor mm -hmm. every single time every single time all right, um, that's the last note I have until our, our what I think is the big paragraph in here. So, so there is there is one sure, more. Sure, that's I, why I, I'm yeah. You, you so, some notes. Here. So the progress of accumulation lessens the relative magnitude. Yeah, we got that. The I think you got there. I suppose. All right. So the, the example he gave, and this is where I think it was important because this breaks it down to number pure numbers, which can get boring, but I think they're important here. So let's say you have your original capital of, of you originally, in this example, for your spinners, for whatever reason, or your cashiers, if we're going to keep using that one, you needed originally $6,000 mm -hmm. to, to employ all these people. And now you need $18,000 to buy all this new equipment and all of that kind of stuff. Your, your, your variable capital has also increased. It's increased by 20%. So it was $3,000. Now it's $3,600 because you got to pay them a little bit more as a result of using the new technology and the new machines or they're advanced workers now. Mm -hmm. Whereas formerly an increase of capital by 20% would have sufficed to raise the demand for labor by 20%. Now the original capital needs to be tripled to secure the increase of that 20%. And the whole reason, the whole thing that he's asking there and the thing to, to look at is how the heck do they keep getting more capital... Like the, the system doesn't explain how they would be able to get more capital. If you did all the math the right way, the fact that their expenditures are going to go up does not, without primitive accumulation, you can't explain it. And that's what I just wanted to hammer home is this system is dependent on primitive accumulation to keep going mm -hmm. until it runs out. It, I mean, they have to be stealing it from somewhere. And we'll get to more de defining what primitive accumulation is in the next couple chapters. But you have to be stealing it. You're yeah. not going to make it up in the system. It's not going to keep doing it itself without you s manipulating it from somewhere or raising your rate of exploitation in some meaningful yes. way. And for anyone who is familiar with Marx and somehow has, has listened to this to try to get a little better but not quite seen eye-to-eye -to, -eye to us on the colonialism yeah. and, and please God see eye-to-eye -to, -eye to us on the colonialism and foreign policy if you haven't, 
it's very important that that what that sentence is reminding us a little bit of is productive accumulation is always happening in this economy. Capitalism doesn't doesn't keep not having it. And you see that, you know, what the hell is an oil pipeline? You're taking these treated off lands and you're blasting oil through through water to get it somewhere because you're still you're still taking these lands away. Primitive accumulation is still happening, and it's still it's still ethnically cleansing people. It's still hopping around from country to country. Oh my goodness, we didn't quite topple Syria, but we got the oil fields there balkanized. We toppled Libya. Time to go to Venezuela. You know. Oh hey, by the way, the reason we're going by Venezuela so fast is because Bolsonaro's there. Let's start eating up the lungs of the earth. <sighs> yeah. So I mean, you know, primitive accumulation is always happening, and and that's why I want to a few chapters ago, and we'll get into that more and more, is to bring back, let's not forget the white supremacy factor of this. Let's not assume the base is entirely financial because it's a social relation. If you think social relations, race is still a factor. Yeah. You know, uh, it, the fact that, that we're colonizers and we have to recognize that and fight the colonization ourselves is still a factor. You know, the imperialism is, of course, a huge factor. It's not just you know, some douchebag boss and some douchebag landlord charging you rent and taking your, your profits away and not giving you Medicare for all. You can't reduce it to that no. shit. No. So. Yeah. And uh, so that that does get us to skipping to what I imagine is both of our the, the giant walls of text that are coming in this, yes. uh, in this section. I'm, I'm pretty sure I have a full two and a half pages highlighted uh, at oh. a certain point here. Um, That's so, good. I tried to break it up to the good. The I'm glad paradigms. you did because I sure as fucked it. This all, right, all was well, very I'm, important. I'm starting on the go at, for it at every individual capital. Knock it out. All right. Every individual capital is larger or smaller concentration of means of production, with the corresponding command over a larger or smaller labor army. Every accumulation becomes the means of new accumulation. With the increasing mass of wealth, which functions as capital, accumulations increase the concentration of that wealth in the hands of individual capitalists and thereby widens the basis of production on a large scale of the specific methods of capitalist production. The growth of social capital is affected by growth of many individual capitalists. All these guys working for themselves and it just comes together gelling as a class, Mm -hmm. congealed as a class. All other circumstances remaining the same, individual capitals and with them the concentration of the means of production increase in such a proportion as they form aliquot parts of the total social capital. Okay, they're all pieces that make up this big whole. It's, you know, again, they, they, they want to atomize, 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 but you have to see those atoms together. That's why, that's why it's called, we call it atomizing. Atoms yeah. go together. You can't just see them flying around. Okay. At the same time, proportions of the original capitals disengage themselves and function as new independent capitals. Besides other causes, the division of property within capitalist families plays a great part with this. Okay, so people are breaking off. Now all of a sudden you've got uh, Kreftig instead of just Anheuser-Busch and things, things are breaking off. Okay, with the accumulation of capital, therefore, the number of capitalists grows to greater or less extent. Two points characterize this kind of concentration which goes directly out of or rather is identical with accumulation. First, the increasing concentration of social means of production in the hands of individual capitalists. The more and more the means of production are into certain people's hands. They get they get bigger and bigger and bigger until you get a Jeff Bezos, until you get... Uh, AT&T, Time Warner, uh, America's... That owns NBC or everything. whatever the shit. I'm pretty sure AT&T owns NBC in some complicated way, right? Some point, the Shinehart Wind yeah. Company, they own all of it. Yeah, and you know, and then Microsoft, God knows everything. Oh, and then, Jesus. of course, the Bill Gates Foundation has everybody in a string because they're the bated breath for those donations or whatever. Uh, with the accumulation capital, therefore, the number of capitalists... Oh, let's see, two, 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 one. 
Okay, so first, the increase in concentration of social means of production in the hands of individual capitalists. Other things remaining equal, limited by the degree of social uh, of increase of social wealth. So they can't have more wealth than is available. Second, the part of the social capital domiciled in each particular sphere of production is divided among the many capitalists who face one another's independent commodity producers competing with one another. They, they seem like they're fighting with each other, yeah. but they're really fighting against you, but it's still going to look like they're fighting with each other because they want bigger and bigger pieces of that pie, and that pie is going to grow and grow and grow and be siphoned away from you, and then they're going to fight over what's been siphoned away from you. Yeah. Okay. Accumulation and the concentration accompanying it are therefore not only scattered over many points, so you don't have one big dragon to cut the head off of. We just got to where I started highlighting, for the record. And we oh, half, my goodness. Two and a half pages from there, so <laughs> bear with us, guys. This, this is probably the most, of this chapter, this is the most important this section of text is, is the, yes. the crux of this argument. Of the yeah, I mean, we're not going to sit here and detail like section five of this chapter. No, no. Oh, no, no, we'll skip section five. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Don't you worry. But yeah, they didn't even get that joke. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> they will. All right, so anyway. But the increase of each function in capital is thwarted by the formation of new mm. and the concentrate or in subdivision of old capitals. Accumulation, therefore, presents itself in one hand as increasing concentrations of the means of production and command over the labor and on the other hand, of repulsion of many individual capitals from one another. You know, these guys are enemies. Why would they combat with each other? And they don't think about it. But it's also just a few of them collecting this together jointly as a group and siphoning away from you. You know, AT&T hates Verizon, but Mm -hmm. they're also playing off each other to knock off the smaller phone companies and make you more dependent on phones and grow more and more command over labor. And so they're really helping each other out as much as they compete because what they're doing is they're growing the pie together and then they're just fighting over how much of a share of it they get. And because at this time, one individual, neither of them are big enough to completely own the whole thing to monopolize it, which would be the end goal. Uh, But if they knock everybody else out, it's in both of their interests and they'll keep doing it. Yes. This fragmentation of the total social capital into many individual capitals, or the repulsion of its fractions from each other, is counteracted by their attraction. The attraction of capitals no longer means the simple concentration of the means of production and command over labor, which is identical with accumulation. It is concentration of capitals already formed, destruction of their individual independence, expropriation of capitalist by capitalist, transformation of many small into few large capitals, and this process differs from the first one in this respect that it only presupposes a change in the distribution of already available and already functioning capital. Its field of action is therefore not limited by the absolute growth of social wealth, or in other words, by the absolute limits of accumulation. Capital grows to a huge mass in a single hand in one place because it has been lost by many in another place. This is centralization proper as distinct from accumulation and concentration. Centralization, everything comes together. And if there is one thing that Marx called way long ago that is so stunningly accurate among all the other things, if you won't concede that point... I don't know what I don't know what else there is. I really no. don't know how else you would. What, that is exactly black and white. What has happened over the last fifty years? Yeah, I mean, what what is people's complaint about Walmart? 
They're too big. They're, they're huge. too big. They're knocking out all the mom and pop shops. The bigger you get, the more you just knock everybody else out. So you're not making new retail lanes no. and new things for people to buy. You're taking over the existing ones by undercutting people. And and now Sears is going away. And they said, and Walmart was a great one. You 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 hear these right wing. Like, oh, nobody could get past Sears, and the Walmart no. innovated. And look how great capitalism is now. Amazon no. is knocking mm-hmm. it out. No, Amazon is finally knocking off Sears. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just it's not anti-communist to think that Marx said no. that shit was but, happening. But again, the centralization... Look at... One of the largest uh, uh, markets, one of the largest, mm-hmm. biggest biggest money makers... Media? On, well, that's one of them. Okay. In, in Wall Street in general, though, even go, go higher than that, is just mergers and acquisitions in okay. general. Every major bank... The fuck is Bain Capital. Every major bank has a division that is just mergers and acquisitions. That is, and they and you talk about it. You look at earnings reports for these companies, and you start talking about it. Mergers and acquisitions absolutely are a huge part of their industry. That's an entire industry based around the concept of centralization. It has happened in every... Every oil company's come together. All the pharmaceutical companies are mer- are slamming together into one giant conglomerate. Uh, airplane manufacturing. Think back to the yeah. old McDonnell Douglas Boeing, Boeing merger, and now it's down to like Boeing, Boeing and, and Lockheed. Airbus and Lockheed and, and yeah. Cessna. It's and that. that's it. There's four companies make like all the airplanes. Five in the world. companies make all the cars. Four. I mean, five companies own all of the media. It used to be a bunch of different media, mm-hmm. and now it's what Sinclair, mm-hmm. and then like AT and T, AOL, Time Warner, Warner Comcast, Disney, NBC, giant conglomerate thing, Fox, and Twitter. then. Disney, 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 oh my God! Look, but how? And so now Disney owns Fox, which own Marvel, which all of these slamming together into one thing. And the more that happens, that is absolutely never a good thing for anyone but capitalists. It destroys internal structures of the company. It destroys existing labor agreements. It subverts all sorts of structures that are in place. All for the benefit of of the capitalist class. And, all for and, the benefit of the ruling And you class. remember, the pretend super advantage is these capitalists are competing against you. Yeah. Right? And competition itself leads to this. Yeah. And it's getting rid of the competition. competition. It's just eliminating the concept of, of who you compete. Vertical integration, though. But AT&T and Time Warner weren't competing, so they can merge. No, it's just giving one company, one group of people, one small portion so much control over so many disparate parts yeah. that they can shut it down if they want to. And it's, I mean, we've talked about, it's shocking what Nestle owns. It's yes. shocking what, what Amazon owns. All of the, I mean, you it's shocking what Google owns. Procter & Gamble, Purdue Pharma, uh, uh, I mean, all of this stuff. It's insane how deep that, and that is not, banks, Yeah. post-2008. I mean, I mean, look at them. I mean, good, what, Lehman City, Brothers Wells collapsed. Fargo. And those are the Bank big. of America, U.S. Bank, and so so City Wells Fargo, Chase, and uh, Bank of America are the four national banks. Yeah. But as part of that 2008, we, we had Merrill Lynch as a separate company. It merged into Bank of America proper. Now they are one one company, mm-hmm. for lack of a better and word. Merrill Lynch was huge. Merrill Lynch was huge, and now it is that whole arm is subsisted. You you see it all over the place. Uh, who was it that, uh, was it A.G. Edwards? A.G. Uh, Edwards and, uh, and Edward, Edward Jones, Jones. Yeah, slammed right together. To Jones. We just, Scott Trade, T.D. Ameritrade just yeah. slammed together. And it, consolidation is never, centralization is, is, is the biggest, this is just slamming us closer and closer towards the, and again, this is what Marx said would happen in a perfect world. For <laughs> but, capitalism, a perfect world yeah. for capital. And in, if, if it's a perfect world for capital, what's the end goal? Obviously the end goal is monopoly. Yeah. That would be what you'd get to. 
we don't get Monopoly because we've put these little itty bitty checks and balances and the little itty bitty ones just to And those are both falling apart. They've been ripped away. Well, being uh, being completely hacked since the late 70s, just being hacked at with a chainsaw. And when you realize, I mean, who runs the government, at some point, when you're big enough, they, they talk about too big to fail. They, they put it out there yeah. that at some point, companies are so big that the government... There is no consequence. There's no consequence. There's, there's you know, no failure. That's right. So you could have all these antitrust laws. What are you going to do? Enforce it? Yeah. Fuck no. Nothing you can do. <laughs> nothing you can do. They get so big that, that they're the country. I mean, you know, Jeff Bezos is negotiating with fucking Canada like he's a country. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's insane. It's, it is ludicrous. And that... uh, but let's let's take a, a little focus on that last, this is centralization proper as distinct from accumulation concentration. So this this chapter is three big concepts. Yes. And you have to understand these three concepts because this is how the polarization of capital works. You have accumulation and you get, you know, accumulation. You're getting more and more stuff, more and more constant capital and that lets you wield it over labor. That's accumulation. Concentration uh, is when the percentage is getting to be more and more constant. Okay, so that's what we're talking about. 50% goes to 80%, dot, 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 dot. So you have one guy getting richer. Okay, he's getting 100 billion more factories. Also, as he gets 100 billion more factories, uh, he's turning like, you know, I mean, his capital from 50% constant, 50% variable down to like, you know, 90% constant, 90% variable. Those things are already happening. And then there's centralization. He's going to do all that. And then he's going to see this other little guy coming up behind him, competing with him. And he's going to kick him over and take his, take all his capital too. And so you, and you see that highlighted here again, just for a where the the smaller capitalists therefore crowd into spheres of production which large scale has taken control of only sporadically or incompletely so the little guy now is his job is to jump in in the thing that the big guy didn't want to deal with yeah. and so here competition rages in direct proportion to the number and inverse proportion to the magnitude of rival capitals you're only going to compete so much as there's not another guy trying to do it that's bigger than you and it always ends in the ruin of many small capitalists whose capital partly passes into the hands of their conquerors ATT Time Warner merged together I mean, yeah. yeah and partly vanishes completely and the rest I, of it just goes away let's talk about what was Android there was a company called Android. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Go, they, Google, they, we leave Google off the hook a lot in this. Google is the king of just acquiring and acquiring and acquiring. Oh, yeah. I'm sure acquiring. at some point, they, you know, it, it's it's crazy to say this. Uh, what is Blackwater called now? It's not G anymore. It's Academy. The, you know, and, and Google's working with Blackwater on, oh, the, on the AI. Jesus. What's going to happen, and Google will be the only company that could ever do this, what's going to happen is Google is going to wind up be a cat. I keep saying Blackwater because who it is. And I want to drive that home, but I should say Academy so that people, when they see the news, they get Academy ending with an I is the new Blackwater. Google is going to... The one to, that Eric Prince runs. Right. Google is going to acquire Academy and make oh, Eric shit. Prince less the owner. I guarantee you, that's my prediction of the future. That is, that is you know... Google's private mili paramilitary Force that's to right. fight Jeff Bezos's <laughs> robot mecha kaiju suit that he builds that's, for that's, himself. That's my call. That's my call. Yeah, Google no. is going to acquire yeah, Academy. Yeah, that's a thing. That's my call. That's a thing. But uh, again, you know, Android. Android was a company, and they made this operating system that could be mobile and portable, and was open source. You know, and Apple was directly competing against it. And Apple got a product tied to it and got it out there faster than Android did. And Android was, I think it might have been, it came around about the same time as iPhone or maybe even sooner. But they didn't have the means of production to put a bunch of phones out there. That's why they tried to work with Samsung and stuff. And Google went, hey, we're a big company. We got, we can shake hands with Samsung. Let's buy you. Mm -hmm. 
And that's exactly what Marx was talking about. Android could slip in there and be this little niche as long as, but they have to find something, you know, you have to have the newest idea. You have to innovate. If you're a small guy, you have to find something nobody has. Yes. And then you have to squeeze in there to where nobody with more means of production is going to kick you off the can. And then as soon as they decide, no, yeah, I mean, it, it, basically it's going to be as soon as you succeed. I, yeah. As soon as you de- they decide, no, you're valuable, they're going to steal you up. Unless you're one of the lucky bootstrap guys that we talked about earlier bu- making the poor buy in. Uh, and again, those guys are usually going to start rich, like uh, the uh, Facebook dude almost that's going always. to fucking Yale. The Uber guys. Right. It's all. But, but you know, maybe like you'll have a Facebook breakthrough or something like that and not get eaten up. But that's that's once in a blue moon. And they're usually starting off fairly well off. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and the worst part is now you see it and you see shit like Shark Tank. These little guys that were going to compete and squeeze in there. And some of them already do have the companies and they're asking for this buyout step yeah. in this. Yeah. And some of them haven't made their product yet and they're just pitching the idea. It's a show where you get to be famous for 10 seconds. No one's going to remember you and get a nice little like contract of money if you win, basically going on TV and saying, please swallow me up. Please, please leave the ruin of my chance of being a capitalist everywhere scattered about. And this is just, and it, it, it sounds so insane to say it out loud now, but this was one of the er, early on when I started diving into this. You know, we I was having a discussion slash argument slash, I don't know, whatever it was on, on Facebook, which is where you know it was bad. Yeah. Um, and literally, somebody said, because the, the, I brought up, before I had read Capital, before I'd gotten here, it was, it was something you know intrinsically. I was like, well, I worked in telecom. I understand that consolidation is not a good thing, that the fact that there's only three telecom companies is bad. And the person's literal argument was the only reason that's there is because of government regulation on the telecom industry. Not has nothing to do with the fact that the other three companies would absolutely not allow anyone else to step into that space. Yeah, and 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 tell you what, what what are the if government regulation is the problem is the bad thing, what's going to stop the monopolies from happening? Yeah, Who's going to do that? It's just absolutely. And again, oh, government regulation is bad, and so are monopolies. Okay, how do you stop the monopolies? Uh, yeah. Huh? And spoiler alert, whenever we keep saying, we say three telecom companies on everything. Oh, well, what about Cricket or Boost? Or all, they're uh, all owned, owned by, by somebody yeah. else. If you literally look up any telecom company, and if they're one of like the off-brand, they're owned by one of the other ones. It's, it's either Verizon's, AT&T's, T-Mobile's, or Sprint's. Yeah, Period. I'm pretty sure it's look, Boost, Boost is Sprint's. Sprint. Uh, All, uh, Cricket is AT&T. Cricket is AT&T. Um, what's the, the Walmart one that they Straight sell? Talk. That's, that's everywhere. That's everywhere. Straight Talk oh. Straight Talk did like a master work with all of the rest of them to sublet. But again, it's Walmart. It's Walmart subletting other people's okay. towers, You're, which they only get to do because that lets them have a presence no, in Walmart. I think there was something like Family Mobile or something. And Consumer that's Cellular? Consumer Cellular. Consumer Cellular is, eight, is running yeah. on AT&T, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, they're all, all eaten up by it. They, they, they all are. Yeah. And they have been from the beginning. I mean, Boost, why do you think it's called Boost? It was yeah. when Sprint was big on Push to Talk. Exactly. It was meant to market to poorer people. And of course, you know, they was trying to be, it was very racist, trying to be yeah. black people. Oh my God. Oh, and it was the most, yeah. It wow. was the, it was the hip rap push to talk. Dear God. Pig, pay as you go company. That's oh. why it has the fucking name Boost. Yeah. And that, yeah. It was Sprint from the start. It's so bad. Yeah. And it's, and again, it's just, it's, they own the, you want, what are means of production in the telecom industry? How many billions of dollars in towers are up that who could yeah. ever compete Without needing to well, rely on them, who could ever compete with that? People don't realize this too. Like companies own the towers, and then they rent out region of the towers to other companies. So let's imagine you're a smaller company that actually does exist and isn't completely owned by AT and T. Do you think you have your own towers? 
Fuck no. no. You're renting a little spot on AT&T's tower until they decide, you know what? I like the little niche market you you are holding now. I'm going to come eat you up now. You are mine. You're mine. You are mine. There yeah. is no one, no small business, no no startup guy is launching satellites into space to have. <laughs> to book a, it doesn't work that way. Yep. Doesn't work that way. Yep. Okay. Moving okay. on. So it says, apart from this, with capitalist production, an altogether new force comes oh, into play. Oh, Christ. I forgot. God damn it. Oh, it just doesn't stop this time, guys. The oh. credit system. God damn it. Which in its first st- stages. Damn it. Figured, or, or I'm sorry, furtively creeps in as the humble assistant of accumulation. Oh, oh you know, I'll give you $120,000 to start your accumulation and oh. you can pay me a little bit of interest. Oh, just a little bit. And we, I mean, we drew on this a little bit, how the credit system is actually a capital is going all the way to the top. Yeah, we're no, talking we're, about oh, yeah we, I'm about to say, no, we've had the Martin Luther usury yeah, speech the, yeah. twice now. We've but been he, there. He says, drawing into the hands of individual or associated capitalists by invisible threads, mm. the money resources lie scattered over the surface of society in larger or smaller amounts, but it soon becomes a new and terrible weapon in the battle of competition and has finally transformed into an enormous social mechanism for the centralization of capital. Hey, like all the banks merging into one bank. Again, it, it, the more centralizing it right. gets worse. I and think you, it's also talking about foreclosures well, and no, things and it, like that. And it's too. talking about the concept of, again, at the, at the beginning it seems like a good thing to help someone get off the ground that couldn't, but after a very short amount of time it's Oh, well, I'm only going to lend to you if you already have X amount of capital to start with. And then it's a, the, the, the ladder is so far up that it's, there is yeah. no, it's like the answer is, well, I need two years of experience. Well, how do you get experience? Well, you need to have an entry level job. Well, how do you get an entry level job? Well, I need two years of experience. And it's like, okay, all right, well, we're done now. There is no way to do there. It, it's literally, it's, you, you see yeah. bank, there are, there are a lot of them. There are banks that'll literally be like, oh no, we won't, we won't lend to you for the first two years you're in business. You have to get through two years of business to get, to get lent to. Yeah. Well, how the hell do I get lent to then? People, oh. people do understand because oh. people look through like LinkedIn or classifieds or whatever and they say you know must have like bachelor's degree and three years of experience uh, for entry level job that pays seven fifty yeah. an hour yeah. must be go getter willing to work 80 hours a week it's like what the fuck yeah, yeah yes. and uh, banks essentially do that to small petty bourgeois people yep. too uh, so then it continues as commensurately with development of capitalist production and accumulation, there developed the two most powerful levers of centralization, mm. competition and credit. And so now you see these great things that capitalism has. Credit is the solution. A competition is what makes things go. But competition and credit are what give you these monopolies, are what give you these smaller conglomerates. Yeah. And Marx just laid out exactly why and how in ways that actually happen, and he has the proof and the reasoning behind and credit, it. And you want to talk about the greatest, one of the greatest examples of credit, like how they create these giant... Le- Uber. Yeah. Uber, as a company, yeah. has never made money. And not in like a Jeff Bezos, I invest it all back into the business. Uber doesn't make money. They are hemorrhaging money. Why would a business exist that hemorrhages money? Well, because a buttfuck ton of venture capitalists decided, you know what? If we destroy the taxi industry and become the de facto way of transportation, we will have a monopoly on an industry and we're willing to lose money to do that for a period of time. 
it would not exist on its merits. It can't exist on its merits. It only exists because of the credit system and a lack of competition that they have systematically worked to eliminate. Yeah, and obviously listen to how predatory that is. Listen to how awful that is. And that's before you get into how... They actually treat their employees. They actually treat the employees and how that's busting the unions. Oh. Because taxes are a huge union industry. Yes, yes. It, yeah. is, it is the most... It is one of the... I mean, we, we hammer on Jeff quite a bit as he deserves because he, he is... Uh, possibly yeah. the devil. Uh, but Uber may be the most yeah. just. And the people with no lives to sleep in their cars with four bumper stickers saying they're an Uber driver and a Lyft driver and all that, you know, that's those people are the victims of, of this. exactly of this. Very of much this, this system. Yes. So we're gonna go on and say at the same time the progress of accumulation increases the material amenable the material amenable to centralization. The individual capitals, whilst the expansion of capital produces, creates on one hand the social one, and on the other, the technical means necessary for the immense industrial undertakings which require a previous centralization of capital for their accomplishment. So it's saying, I mean, just like you're fucking harvesting a garden, yeah. you know, you're gonna grow the little plant, grow the little businesses, and then you're going to harvest the and 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 they you gave them the soil. Yeah. Like, this is my loan. This is my million-dollar loan, $100,000 loan. Now we're going to make our little interest. But they're not really in it for the interest. They're giving you the soil bed. You do your little idea, your little work. You tell me how it works. You do the brain thinking, set it all up. And I'm going to go, oh, that's nice. Now I'm going to acquire you. God. Yeah. I mean, just horrible. It's yeah. horrible. He says, today, therefore, the force of attraction drawing together individual capitals and the tendency to centralization are stronger than ever before. And you could say that at any moment, at any time in capitalism. Yep. <laughs> but if the relative extension of energy and the movement towards centralization is determined in a certain degree by the magnitude of capital wealth and the superiority of economic mechanism already attained, progress and centralization does not in any way depend upon positive growth and the magnitude of social capital you don't have to have more total capital no. for for centralization to, to matter centralization is going to happen anyway if the gdp drops the rich are still going to get richer uh -huh. there's just going to be a few less of them because they're centralizing yep and this is the specific, and again, you know, that's what we're talking about. They still won in 2008. Yep. And this is the specific difference between centralization and concentration. The latter, concentration, only being another name for reproduction on an extended scale. Mm -hmm. Centralization may result from a mere change in the distribution of capitals yep. already existing. Yep. From a simple alteration in quantitative grouping from the component parts of social capital. Here, capital can grow into powerful masses in a single hand because there has been withdrawn from many individual hands. Many hands make light work, and then one hand fucking scoops it up and grabs it all. In any given branch of industry, centralization would reach its extreme limit if all of the individual capitals invested in it were fused into a single capital. And in a given Monopoly. society, this limit would be reached only when the entire social capital was united in the hands of a single capitalist or a single capitalist company. And I do, again, wait for the day when Apple, Google, and Amazon's mechazords have to fight it out to determine which of them get to be emperor yeah. of the country. I mean, it's not world. like there's not lands where this has happened. What do you think a banana republic is? You know, it, I mean, that it's, it's, it's yeah, it's happened. So I mean, the East India Company was very much... Oh, that yeah. for a long period of time. Sure. I mean, they had it for a very long period of time. Yeah. And so I, the last thing I'm going to say for a little bit is centralization completes the work of accumulation by enabling industrial capitalists to extend the scales of their uh, operations. It 
And even the sentence after that, whether this latter result is the consequence of accumulation or centralization, and whether centralization is accomplished by the violent means of annexation, where certain capitals become such preponderant centers of attraction for others that they shatter the individual cohesion of the latter and draw the separate fragments to themselves. Again, you're going to centralize one way or another. You're going to centralize peacefully through fun incentives and you're going to buy them out. Stock and da, 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 or no. you're going to crush the other one until they literally have no other choice but to be absorbed into your mega mm, bow down to my side. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Um, so I'm going to go a little bit lower, still kind of same section, say, but accumulation, the gradual increase of capital by reproduction as it passes from the circular to the spiral form, is clearly a very slow procedure yeah. compared with centralization, which is only to change the quantitative groupings of the constituent parts of social capital. The world would still be without railways if it had to wait until accumulation had gotten to a few individual capitals far enough for adequate construction of a railway. Centralization, on the contrary, accomplishes this in the twinkling of an eye by the means of joint stock companies. And whilst the centralization thus intensifies and accelerates the effects of accumulation, it simultaneously extends and speeds those revolutions in the technical consumption of capital, which raise its constant portion at the expense of the variable portion, thus diminishing the demand for labor. So again, this shows, hey, look, though, but they got together and they did this awesome thing and they were able to expect... But what is the cons? But because what's this, the consequence? Yeah, because this was done. Are we because saying again? Was, back to the cell phones. Yes. Are we saying that we don't that 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 the railway system is bad and we shouldn't have had it? No. But what was the consequence of doing it under this method of production, under this social construct? The consequence of that was that you gave a handful of people so much wealth. Again, when did this railroad system pop up? Where do you think robber barons came from? That (laughs) that example is so apropos because, and I think he wrote, that was the thing, he wrote this before the actual robber baron explosion, if I remember correctly. Like, when was was capital, what is, what was Uh, that? 1870? Exactly. This was before Vanderbilt. This was before Carnegie. This was before all of these guys. He literally called what they were going to do. And think of the immense amount of fucking, what that concentration of wealth between that, the DuPonts, those fucking giant monster dynasty families in this country. That was the literal, uh, until now, that was the worst period of income inequality in the world. Was yeah. when this system was its pure. That was when this system was its purest. Yeah. The twenty, the lead up to the twenties, the lead up to the Great Depression. The roaring twenties. Was it this was? For most it people. was literally. What are we gonna do? Take the blinders off. Take the limiter cap off and push capitalism as far as it can go. Exactly what we've been trying to do since the eighties. Yeah. We're back. We're doing it again. <laughs> Depression two, electric boogaloo, guys. It's on its way. Yeah. Holy. Oh, yeah. Fuck. Somehow it was in 2008. That wasn't it. That no, wasn't bad enough. No. But again, that was, that was s- one of the panics of, of 1860 type shit. It was a, no, yeah, it was a panic, not a not a depression. Not a depression. Yeah. But again, that's a cr- <laughs> this is it is exact and again, remember, Marx is playing by a very specific set of rules. He was playing by a very specific thing. This is not saying that that this should be limit but that, that every part of this will mimic life as it is. But if you can't see that's what centralization is. That's what it leads to. And oh fuck, this is its natural end if we let it keep going. I I, I don't know how to help you there. I can't do anything for you. Um, that is exactly what you can't give a, a, a series of people that much control over the system and not have any accountability and not expect that to lead to bad things. Yes, and we keep bringing up again because because of I mean the whole history of Iraq and everything, and because of what's going on in Venezuela now. 
and and obviously, you know, I mean, as Marxists, the 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 way we lament the, the loss of the USSR and how much yes. that was important to oil. Yes. How much of world history in the last fifty years has been oil centralization? Hundred years even. Oh yeah, hundred years. I even. mean, really, you think about 19, the the first World War, the the divvying up of mm-hmm. the divvying up of the Middle East, nineteen seventy. I mean, it's almost been a hundred years. It's about a yeah. hundred years. Yeah, and I mean, it's not. I mean, it's not ignore Exxon Mobil knowing about global warming. And no, ignoring no, it and, and that and how it, it all comes back to oil centralization. Yes, you know, I mean, and then that's still certainly the in OPEC, process. The you know OPEC, OPEC, which is this big evil. If you want to talk about. September 11th, and then we went after the war on terror. They systematically went through the OPEC countries, mm-hmm. and those countries were openly on cable news. The like they right wingers would openly talk about being at at war with OPEC, OPEC. in 1999. You yeah. can find clips of the military generals and the right wing pundits talking about OPEC and sometimes you'll catch a right winger and you'll see a clip from 2008 or maybe you'll talk into 2019 and they'll you know if they get way into the Prager U shit or whatever you know maybe they'll throw out OPEC gotta get them they're an OPEC country and that you want central hey because they're two, it's all capitalism. Yeah, America is capitalism. We have our oil. They have their oil. Oh God, we're competing. Yes, we want the same thing. But it, it it's two companies fighting. That's yeah. all this is. It's a resource. We want that resource. We want to control that commodity. Yeah. What are you going to do for it? And that yeah. it, it's, and, and, it's so clear. And look how it manifests. You know, I mean, we're yes. talking about now. You look down in Venezuela. You have a leader who's the second in a people's revolution. Yes. People's revolution that was cooed away. What? And it, We've already cooed. And did you not see that they brought in days? Did you see who they brought back? I think. Oh, uh, is uh, it, isn't it Elliot Abrams? Oh fuck! Yes, the uh, the most violent uh, supporter of the Contras. The, yes, uh, Elliot Abrams, who didn't go down on Iran Contra. He headed up guilty twice. Pled guilty twice. Headed up the first coup in Venezuela. Headed up the Don't first. Don't forget what he did with Iraq. Yeah, well, oh, yeah, but I'm saying just in Venezuela alone. Just like the guy, they keep bringing back the same guy. Like It's, it's like when you keep pulling full G- Phil Jackson out of retirement to keep coaching. Like, what the fuck? Stop it. This is the scarier, more evil version of Oliver North heading the NRA. It's, it, it really well, is. Yeah, it's, again, it's, a, it's a known war criminal. A, a fucking admitted war criminal. And we just keep, hey, do you want to help read our policy on this not a cuckoo? I don't think people realize how traumatic. I think it's Ixilmayans, is how you say it. Mm-hmm. How traumatic what the Contras and a lot of those death squads put people through in those Central American wars in Reagan. I mean, parents watching their children die in incredibly torturous ways under force. You oh, know, don't I mean, don't leave Thatcher out. Thatcher, Thatcher. Oh out. yeah, no, 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 no. Don't, no, don't just put it on Reagan. Margaret was there. <laughs> Margaret was along. Oh, old, old Maggie Mae's there. Fuck. Yeah. God damn it. Thatcher, Thatcher, milk snatcher was all over that shit. Um, so I just for, for whatever reason, there's been a preponderance of people quoting her the last like week. On oh Twitter. fuck! Just, you run out of spending other that fun. You run out of that is all. Fucking, yeah, you know what? The problem with capitalism is you run out of fucking shit to centralize. I, it's it's literally it is so like they t- you. Right wing talk about Marxism as if it's oh it's a fantasy oh it's it's unrealistic. Literally all capitalism and right wing ideology is is fun catchphrases. It's like a fucking ad ad man's dream. There's yeah. no logic behind it. There's no theory behind it. There's no grounding and to it. It's aha, all fantasy. Sounds it's all fantasy fairy tales and and, and fucking Oscar Wilde one liners. Is all their <laughs> fucking political philosophy comes down to. It's insanity. <laughs> 
We have a 1,500-page book, and that's the start of what we're dealing with. That's, and right. gonna, this that's just us critiquing their system. This is fucking nons. Oh, my God. Ugh. Okay, so let's move on to section three. <sighs> uh, but just remember, hey, anyone out there, uh, the Bolivarian Revolution was yes. an elected revolution, yes. which is very rare and hard to do. Like I said, you couldn't do it. You're, we're not going to get in America. No, but you can elect no. a re- revolution in a, an oppressed country. In, uh, you can also maybe in America, definitely an oppressed country, uh, have the will, but you have to like actually be ready to kill for it. Oh. But have the will and the money, the guns and the ready force to do a violent revolution and still do it completely peaceful. And we saw that with Gaddafi. Yep. You know, and and just by pure social pressure, do it. Uh, of course, there's violent revolutions too. Okay, and so there's, and the Bolivarian Revolution is a peaceful elected one that slowly is transitioning from capitalism towards socialism. socialism. I mean, it's 2019, and this started in 1998, so it's 20 years. 98, really? Yeah, is that yeah. when Chavez got that the first time? That's when Chavez Shit. got the first time. 2002, they already cooed it. Yep. And the people won it back with that public pressure mm-hmm. on the coup almost immediately. And then, you want to talk about, they'll say authoritarian dictator oh and shit like that. Oh my God. For one thing, that's bullshit. I mean, read angles on authoritarianism. Please, God, read it. But it's, you know, and I'll tell you, like, books aren't inherently good or bad. Guns aren't inherently good or bad. It depends on what's in the book and who's (laughs) wielding the gun. And they're either tools of oppression... They can be things for, for entertainment or, or education, but the, both of those things are very rare. They're, they're mostly tools for oppression or tools for liberation, liberation, depending on who wields them and what's in the books. Um, you get the same thing with authoritarianism. It can be a tool of oppression or it can be a tool of liberation, you know, to, to stop people from doing counter-revolutions, to stop mm-hmm. these, I, you know, teach people away from racism and bigotry and protect people. And uh, But still, there's this authoritarian thing. And you want to talk about not authoritarian. You stage a coup, and you lose your power. Turkey, Turkey had an attempted coup a couple years ago. I guarantee you, everyone involved in there is dead. I guarantee. Ennis no, Cantor, Ennis Cantor's still hanging around. Ennis Cantor's still still centering the Knicks. He's okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. He won't. He can't leave the country because I think Erdogan has a literal like kill order out on the guy. But yeah, knows. I was gonna say he can't go to Turkey or he's dead. Oh, he can't go. To, he wouldn't go. No, they were gonna play a game in London. He wouldn't go there. He's like, they will kill me. I am not leaving New York. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, the people involved there, you know, I mean, they die. Oh, yeah. You no, think about die. it. If you try to stage a coup in America and you failed, would you be alive? Holy shit. You would not exist. Yes. You want to talk about Stalin making people die? You would not exist. Yes. I mean, it would be, there, there's a word they, they use for that called treason. Uh, the, John Brown. How yes. many? <laughs> yes. The current opposition, some of its main members were the members who staged the 2002 coup. Because the fact of the matter is, the people in that coup went to jail for five years. You want authoritarian country has a coup and they only go to jail for five fucking years. And uh, so there's supposed to be authoritarian dictators. You see poverty plummet there. Now, of course, there's still going to be cases of acute poverty. They're still at 13%. We're at, what, 50%? So where the fuck are we to talk? And they were at 26% when uh, the Bolivarian Revolution happened. It was just much deeper poverty for those people than 26%. It's less deep poverty for the 13%. They get literal boxes of food delivered to their house, like noodles and Vegetable oil and like these, these I forget that there's a nice little acronym, fun little acronym the, for the, the boxes. The staple things you actually need to yeah, survive. They and get not... it. They get it every month. They get housing. They're working on housing projects, you know. And and they could eliminate, like they could have gotten off oil completely a little bit faster, but they were more focused on, you know, the, diversifying our economy more perfectly was less important to them than 
than giving people housing. Well, they no, yeah, care they, about they the took people the thing they had, which was oil, and used it to did yeah. the thing you're supposed and to they do were when you nationalize. Well, while well, the criticism was going on, they just yeah. didn't do it as fast as the criticism wants to claim because everybody has the best idea to do everything. And and again, that only has had any adverse effects because the U.S. intentionally made Saudi Arabia drop oil prices in order to fuck with Venezuela. And, and for a long was, time had them on OFAC sanction lists mm-hmm. and literally boxed them out of the world economy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, they're still on, on... They're getting sanctioned. Oh, Venezuela's getting sanctioned hard. They're, they're sanctioned in a lot of different ways. They're not... An OFAC. They're not, they're not technically an OFAC anymore, so yeah. they're, they're... I mean... Yeah. And that is something that, that, that again, that the and, right wing will trumpet all the time, but we lifted the sanctions. We didn't. Yeah, but never and, you know, never mind that they've been sanctioned to death and they've still reduced poverty. Never mind that, that this whole inflation thing is exactly what happened in 73 Chile. And the same way where black markets run by the capitalist opposition manipulated the dollar prices against the current currency to undercut the economy. This is literally 73 Chile coup make the economy scream stuff to a T. It's like watching Allende's going down. Yeah. And the only thing that gives us hope is Venezuela's been resisting it a little better. Yep. Uh, and they they overcame 2002. So please, God, and hope it, they do it. And, and I, but I, if I, anybody tells you, and, and, and the big thing going on you'll notice now a lot is, my family's in Venezuela, and you can't verify that from these people, but even if it's true, my family's in Venezuela. Well, a third of the people in Venezuela don't support the Bolivarian Revolution. How many people, it's not like everybody in America is a Trump supporter. No, and that's I mean, that, that is the best, and that is the best thing now, that is the way you have to think about it, mm-hmm. is guys, yeah, it, would there be a count if 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 we if socialism won tomorrow, would there be people in the streets celebrating? Fuck yeah! Would there be people in the streets? Pro- would there be guys with Tea Party and George Washington hats and and MAGA hats out there protesting a, lo- a large contingent? Yes. Yeah. Revolution is not a universally supported thing. And it wouldn't all be Proud Boys. There'd be like no. Clinton supporters there would, doing there, it. Yeah, fuck, there would be every small business owner in the country would be on there. Would be on there. It'd be the first time they worked in 10 years. They'd yeah. be all out there protesting and stomping around in their board shorts. Yeah. And their, so, their I mean, you fairies. talk to someone like, and you notice they're overwhelmingly white. They're overwhelmingly good at speaking English because they live in America or have the money for English lessons when it's Spanish-speaking country. Also, if they're from my, if they're in Miami and they're complaining, just assume that they got kicked out because they were free. Freaking capitalist pigs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just like with Cuba, where it's all the fucking Cusanos that are mad that they they don't have sugar plantations. But you'll notice all of these these countries and these countries. I mean, they're pretty diverse. They have indigenous people who are dark skinned. Yes. They have black people and they have white people, and there's a lot of mix there. And you'll notice the people that come to America from these countries are overwhelmingly white. Well, who the fuck was coming from Spain and owning these plantations? You think Spanish people are black? Haiti, uh, Haiti, Haiti. Yeah. <laughs> the whole Haitian Revolution, guys. There was there was literally a difference between big big whites and little whites. Like they diversified their varying white. Yeah, and go look at Haiti, and then look at the this Hispanic populations from Cuba and Venezuela. He's like, oh, my aunt's there, and she says it's terrible, and people are starving, and like, fuck. We heard the same shit out of the fucking uh, behind everyone behind the Iron Curtain. They were all starved and go. And yeah. now, if you pull everyone. Solzitsyn to tell you that bullshit too. I mean, there's and if you freaking pull, if you if you actually pull people now that lived through it, and if you say, hey, would you rather have it? Uh, would you rather have the 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 USSR, or would you rather have what you have now? Universally, almost, they're saying, please God, bring back the communism, please God. Yeah, I mean, I think it's everything, ex- every region, like down to a region, except yeah. Kosovo that used to be in the USSR. Yeah, yeah, is at well, least sixty percent, usually over seventy percent. So basically, everyone, the USSR so everyone but the Nazis want want the communism back. Right. Is really what it comes down to. <laughs> Right, right, exactly. And uh, I mean, and we're not kidding. I mean, Kosovo is very small, very small, very fascist. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. Um, so you know, I mean, just remember when you hear this shit about Venezuela, 
realize that a third of the country is not supporting Maduro. That doesn't mean all the lies about it are true. So if someone goes, oh, I know my Venezuelan friend, or you don't know what you're talking about, listen to Venezuelans. Well, of course you listen to Venezuelans. The mass of Venezuelans, by two-thirds, said keep Maduro in there. The mass of Venezuelans are out there marching. If you look at these marching videos and pictures, all kinds of them, of course they'll have their big yellow marches, and there's thousands of people. Again, a third of the country countries against them. And, of course, they're bringing in people from other countries just to make the masses look bigger. This is how yep. the CIA does a lot of these protests, too. And they're still getting smaller protests than the, than the pro-Maduro marches. But you'll notice those are the yellow marches, and they're pretty big. The red marches are way bigger. bigger. And you're seeing people on social media post videos and pictures of the red marches and going, look how many people are out here demonstrating against Maduro. It's like, look how no. fucking red that is. More importantly, and I think more... I don't understand how this isn't, isn't the other argument that's made... At a certain point, and this is all, if you listen to, to Maduro, if you listen to the other Venezuelan, to, to actual Venezuelans mm-hmm. talk, again, this is not going to be a black oh, and, and white and, issue. And again, oh no, and, and, and also I do want to say, if you want to look at population, you want to say it's the poverty and the problems of Venezuela, mm-hmm. the overwhel- poor people, the poor you are, more overwhelmingly you support Maduro. Yeah. So if, if the problems were caused by the government, why are the poor more in favor of Maduro and the rich more against him. It's, and it's again, you know, it's not like racism doesn't exist interest. there. And if it did, no. hey, you know, why are we wanting to topple a regime that had racism? Uh, you know, so I it mean, is, it should be nobody else's overwhelmingly black business. people. It should be nobody else's Maduro. business. No, how a country self determines. The no. concept of of do we have some shit going on right now? Mm-hmm. Hell yeah! Does a, does does a majority of the country probably not want Donald Trump to be president? Absolutely. Yeah. Can Nancy Pelosi stand up and say, I'm president now, and yeah. the rest of the world just go, okay, why do we think this is okay in any country except our, why is this, yeah. why, you wouldn't ever accept that, and how many times, Iraq, twice they did this, yes. Iran, they did this, Syria, they did this, Libya, they did this, and Libya is the whole way, why are we believing their lies again? How many times do they have to say, to do the exact, the, the brutal authoritarian dictator that, oh, yeah. and then every one of them in hindsight would go, Oh shit, that was a bad idea. Oh well, sorry guys. We'll we'll learn from our mistake and not doing that. Yeah, and it's and it's from liberals to soak Dems to right wingers. It's 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 everyone who's not like on full board. on communist. Everyone's on is, board. is on board. And and what's gonna happen is you're gonna get to like twenty thirty. Yeah. And, and you're gonna say, Oh man, we really shouldn't have toppled Venezuela. Well, um anyway, Nicaragua's different. Yeah. Let's go fucking get them. Boots you know? R- Boots Riley on Twitter, guys. Yeah. Boots R- Boots is going in on He's, that. Yeah, Boots is good. Boots, Boots is, is good, good people. Uh but, oh, okay, I mean, so yeah, but I mean, let's just let's be very clear. There are two views you should have here. One is that it's not our business, and we can't even get our shit straight. And even if we could get our shit straight, it's not our business. Stay the fuck out of there. And it's not okay to just have that view. The other view you have to have is that these people lie to us all the time. Why are we believing this about how bad these people are? These are lies about Maduro, yeah. and you don't have to be versed and say those are lies. You just have to say, look. All your information are coming from people that lied to me about Iraq and Libya. And, and it'd be better to be versed about it. It's good. Try to be as versed as you can. Absolutely. But these are the people that lied to me about Yugoslavia and Libya and Iraq. And they're lying to me about Iran. And they're you know lying to me about every fucking thing. Why am I believing them about... The, North they lied, Korea. They, they just I, lied about Nicaragua. North Korea. North Korea. They've lied about for lied, oh, how long? Ever yeah. long. Vietnam. I mean, yeah. good God. And, what and is their track Why record? are we believing them about Venezuela? You know, And even if that's all the versed you are, that's okay. Defend that. Don't do... Don't do. Don't just stop at not our business, and certainly don't do the nuanced view that oh. Venezuela is not good or socialist enough. And blah, 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 blah. Maduro, Maduro is bad, but you shouldn't invade still. Yeah, CIA. because that's the same as saying it's you support not, the coup. It's, it's much, not helping. It's 
just try. It's just telling yourself and telling at least other people and probably yourself too that you're against the the coup. But it's really everything you're saying is supporting the coup. So yeah, I mean, because if he is that bad, why why wouldn't you support it? You know, yeah. I mean that, and that's that's the whole logic behind it. Because that's not our business is, is while true and very important, never going to be a strong enough argument for the masses. No, they're convinced otherwise. It's fucking so, Mondo from, from the Monroe Doctrine on, to the that has not been a fucking excuse. To, to the UN, you know, liberal rules based world order. Teddy Roosevelt, totally versed in this. That's never going to work. No. Okay, no. defend it. Defend Maduro, defend not invading there, and do both. It is not our place. We need to break ourselves from that. But also, there are lies about this place, and they're handling things fine. Things are not perfect. They are out of bread, but they have all of the other groceries in the grocery store. It's one of the opposition guys manipulating the flower market, keeping the bread away. You know, I mean... Things aren't perfect literally anywhere. Why the fuck does that justify a coup? But they're they're better there than before the Bolivarian Revolution. They're better there than fucking here, except, again, you know, the gold links on our chain that we've added. Um, and and we're trying to topple them. And what is toppling them going to get? It's going to get Marco Rubio's buddies in these certain oil companies more fucking monopoly, more yeah. centralization. So, no. No. All right, moving on to section three, back on the marks here. Yeah! Progressive production of relative surplus population or industrial reserve army. That's the important... Now we're getting into it. Now, nah, yes, yes. And we've heard about this industrial reserve army. Let's. This is the first time I think he used that term. It is the first time he's used the term. This term. But he's kind of alluded to this before. Let's get, get it concretely there and what it is specifically. And for the record, I have nothing for like the first four pages of this. This is really boring, the first couple pages. Oh, no, no, no. I got it right away. Oh, got, you go for it. Okay. The specifically... I'm losing my voice. I know, it's a long one. All right, the specifically capitalist mode of production, the development of the productive power of labor corresponding to it, and the change thus resulting in the organic composition of capital do not merely keep pace with accumulation or with the growth of social wealth. They develop at a much, much quicker rate because mere accumulation or the absolute increase of the total social capital is accompanied by centralization or individual capital is totally made up. And because of that, because you have accumulation and centralization, which we worked very hard to just establish, in which the total is made up, because of the change in the technical technological composition, so the innovations, 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 additional capital goes hand-in-hand with a similar change in the technological composition of the original capital. So he's saying is as we innovate and we get more centralized, we're going to have fewer and fewer hands that own more and more, and it's going to be a shrinking, shrinking uh, demand of a percentage of the labor, okay? Um, so he says, you know, with the advanced accumulation, therefore, the proportion of the constant to variable capital changes. If it was, say, one to one, it becomes two to one, then three to one and four to one and so on. So that instead of a half of the capital's total value, the variable capital becomes a third, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, an eighth, okay, into the labor power versus means of production. So what the labor power is is shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. And this is, again, a little more of that polarization there, okay? So he says, in turn, this increasing accumulation and centralization becomes a source of new changes in the composition of capital, of a more accelerated diminution of its variable, as compared to the constant constituent. So he says, this accelerated relative diminution, so it's like the diminution being getting smaller, of yeah. course, of the variable constituent of the people, of the workers. Remember, this is organic and value capital that goes along with the accelerated increase in total capital. So they're getting bigger, but they're becoming a smaller part of the the pie. Uh, And that moves more rapidly 
takes the inverse form at the other pole of apparently an absolute increase of labor population. So labor is actually getting bigger, okay, and the means of employment. But in fact, it is capitalist accumulation itself that constantly produces and produces in the direct ratio of its own energy and extent a relatively redundant population of laborers. So laborers are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Okay, because they're expanding capable of capital. Yeah. You're also getting the people thrown into the labor market that were formerly skilled workers that are lost in the centralization or formerly owners. And, and, you know, so all of a sudden you're getting these people heaped on these layoffs and you're getting more competitors and you're getting these expansions of markets. And so what's going to happen is there's going to be these people that are unnecessary. It's relatively redundant. Okay, yeah. the people that are ready to be hired. Go back. Nathan was jokingly excited because he thought there were replacement level workers. Oh. <laughs> God. I want war for people. I want war for people. Labor above replacement God, level. Please, God, please. There, we someone said it so, became a thing on Twitter today that baseball, baseball people and, and and hard left people are like a weird like it's a big Venn diagram all of a sudden. Like the leftists just like love baseball for whatever reason. So yes, I want advanced stats yeah. for socialism. Well, what, what happened? What happened is we started to get into these advanced stats and then we realized we were just cheerleading for horribly exploited labor and went oh. Maybe we should see how this shit works. Yeah. We kind of did it all together. What I'm saying is we need sabermetrics for socialism. Let's go. That's right, except they work against socialism. But they make you a better baseball fan, sort of. I don't know. Anyway, so the laboring population, therefore, produces, along with the accumulation of capital, so along with making more valuable for the capitalist, the means by which itself is made superfluous, making it redundant. If you had a skill and you sit there and you're making machines that make your skill redundant, now all of a sudden you're making something where you're easily replaceable. And so someone else else could take your place and there's more you know this is the getting the women and children involved this is anything you know more people can can replace you this is a law of population peculiar to the capitalist mode of production and in fact every particular historical model of production has its own special laws of population Uh which are historically valid within that particular sphere an abstract law of population only exists for plants and animals and even then only in the absence of any historical intervention by man (laughs) But if a surplus population of workers is a necessary product of accumulation or of the development of wealth on a capitalist basis, this surplus population also becomes, conversely, the lever of capitalist accumulation. Indeed, it becomes a condition for the existence of the capitalist mode of production. Yeah, stop right there for a second. It becomes a condition. You have to have this excess population. Not only is capitalism going to create it, but it's going to need it. And Marx is about to tell us what it's needed for. It forms a disposable industrial reserve army, which belongs to capital just as absolutely as if the latter had bred it at its own cost. Independently of the limits of the actual increase of population, it creates a mass of human material always ready for exploitation by capital in the interest of capital's own changing valorization requirements. You remember a couple minutes ago or 20 minutes ago or an hour ago, I don't even yeah. remember anymore, when we said, hey, it doesn't matter if there's overpopulation or we're not making enough people or whatever. Capital will always, regardless, find a way to have this structural inequality or this structural unemployment. Yeah, this is what we're talking about. Yeah, they have to. I mean, we, we talked about it early on. Even when unemployment was, I, I hope this is in the last episodes because this was a good conversation. And now I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. But, but we'll there, even uh, what is unemployment at zero percent? There's still unemployed yeah. people. Yeah. No. No. Zero percent unemployment is still like functional unemployment. Like, we call we call what we have, which is versus four, three or four percent unemployment, is considered zero unemployment, virtual yeah. unemployment. Yeah. Or that that we have that we we've, we've solved it. Yeah. 
and they're three, four percent because they're absolutely necessary. Because you know there is no threat to fire you if there's not someone waiting in the wings to go in there. Capitalism needs this guy waiting in the wings, or they can't exploit you. You can demand whatever the hell you want up to your labor's actual value if you realize what it is. And what is the capitalist going to do? He either better realize what it is, and then he's just going to have to decide. Well, is he going to miss that accumulation? Um, or he's going to have to pay it. And if it's anything below it, he's going to take it. Like, I mean, you could go from, you know, making $5 an hour and making in uh, making $50 an hour value to making $49.99 an hour value, and the capitalist is going to have to take that penny yep. if there's not someone waiting in the wings. What the fuck's he going to do? You have to. You know, to, you ha they have to have this. It, it is literally just not, not an option. And so it... This, this peculiar cyclical path of modern history, which occurs in no earlier period of human history. Again, this is back to that, it's natural, it's how it's always worked. No, no. It was also impossible when capitalist production was in its infancy. So even early on in capital, this wasn't how it worked. The composition of capital at that time underwent only very gradual changes. By and large, therefore, the proportional growth in the demand for labor has corresponded to the accumulation of capital. Even though the advance of accumulation was slow in comparison with that of the modern epoch, it came up against a natural barrier in the shape of the exploitable working population. This barrier could only be swept away by violent means, which we will discuss later. Hi, guys. <laughs> the next couple chapters are going to be super fun. Yeah. The expansion by fits and starts of the scale of production is the precondition for its equally sudden contraction. The latter, again, evokes the former, but the former is impossible without disposable human material. The system cannot continue to grow without an industrial reserve army. Mm -hmm. This increase is affected by the simple processes that constantly sets free a part of the working class <laughs> by methods which lessen the number of workers employed in a proportion to the increased production. What freedom they must have. Modern industry's whole form of motion, therefore, depends on the constant transformation of the working population into unemployed or semi-employed hands. Yes. Now, I will I will make one little comment here. Please. Um, capitalism is, is very much about flow. We talk about <coughs> panics and recessions and depressions. And it's not like Marx can do something that can predict those exactly or something like that. Uh, I did decide after getting excited early on, finding more about volume two, that we're not going to read it. Oh, no. <laughs> Tried that a couple days ago. No. Yeah, no. 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 Uh, it's not bad. It's just it's taking chapter three, the worst worst chapter of this, but still very important, and is going on for it for like 30 chapters. If you got to the but, end of this book and still didn't agree with Marx, your punishment <laughs> is you're forced to reach yes. volume two. But volume two is all about the flow of capital and the interruptions that happen. It's so I will say, you know, of course, if people are confused by what we talk about, discovering how capitalism actually works and, and discovering that along the way with this little like parameters Marx set, one of those parameters is he just assumes the constant motion, none of these interruptions. Yeah. Okay, he'll get into that in volume two. And again, we're talking uh, under this in per perfect examples, perfect sure. world. In this perfect world, he discovered the Industrial Reserve Army, and it's always there. Always. I mean, you know, one of the, the sentences that, that I had... Um, because mine was translated slightly differently than Nathan's was overpopulation supplies these masses. It, yeah. it, capitalism depends on overpopulation. And uh, so, you know, I mean, there's some assumed things and you might go, what do you mean this flow? You know, what about oppression? Something like that. Marx can talk about that in volume two. If you want a perfect description of capitalism, by all means. But if you want to know the important parts of it, that Marx discovered by examining it piece by piece, and he literally looks at one piece here in volume one, and the one piece here in volume two. I think volume three is finance capital. So he looks, he looks there, he, he breaks yes. it up, okay? And he discovers these very real things that are true regardless there. And this is the most important true thing. The cycle doesn't work 
and it, the cycle is necessary, even if it starts and stops. It's, it's when it gets clogged up, we have problems. Yeah. The cycle doesn't work at all without this Industrial Reserve Army. The whole thing is predicated on this Industrial Reserve Army. Yes, and the numerous different ways that we're going to get there. And again, mm -hmm. Mal we get into the next couple sentences where it's, uh, next couple sentences are Malthus explaining his uh, theory of population. Uh, yeah. To be perfectly honest, I don't want to give Malthus, uh, I, no, I don't want to give that words. fucking eugenics, fucking, uh, fuck, fuck him. Fuck Malthus, his, it's worthless. Um, you don't need to know. Long I don't have story, any tattoos on my body. If I ever get one, the first one will be fuck Malthus. The guy thought that poor people fucked too much, and that's why there was too many things, and that we couldn't have nice things as rich people. Yeah. Fuck Malthus. Uh, capitalist production can by no means content itself with the quantity of disposable labor power which the natural increase of population yields. It requires for its unrestricted activity an industrial reserve army which is independent of natural limits. This is where I say, regardless of what population flow is, regardless of how much fucking you do, you will never create enough people for capitalism to be content with where it is because for it to grow, for it to increase its rate of exploitation, it has to have someone at your back and it has to make you know in one way or another that you are bitch you are replaceable you are a cog you are nothing we can we you you have no leverage and the more of that they can take away the better and again when we get to as close right now we're getting close to this full employment thing that they talk about so you know when we get full, close to full employment who suddenly becomes the bad guy during full employment who's the guy that we have to demonize down below that's coming to take and all of a sudden oh we get immigration again yeah. Immigration becomes a real big deal when you hit full employment because someone's got to be there to take... Like, everyone else has their job. Someone's got to be there. Immigrants, immigrants yeah. coming to take your job. And when you're talking about pitting people against each other, it's very important for capitalism to pit people against these social programs that put forth for unemployment. That's why Bill Clinton had to end welfare as we knew it. That's why it was important for Reaganomics to start attacking the Cadillac-driving welfare queens or whatever racist shit Reagan dog wants to throw out there. Yeah, I mean, it, it's important because they had to pitch you against the people that were incapable of working but taken care of, mm -hmm. you know, or happy not working being parents, mm -hmm. right? You know, I mean, they had to... These guys are the... You know, I mean, you have the capitalists... or. Obviously, vampires are the, the crux, the, the weight of society. They cause the problems. They dictate what the problems are. They're every bit the lazy people sucking off society. They claim everyone else is. They're actually sucking large quantities off entire society and controlling it. And these yep. poor other people are just trying to survive. And yet, they're the enemy. And so the, we have to... They're, they're using my tax dollars that I earned to sit on their ass. They want you to think that because they want you to take this person that is less desperate, is, is not waiting in the wings to replace you, and turn them into someone who is going to take your job. Every time you hate someone not living on welfare, not having free unemployment, every time you want to talk about these people, poor people, what about the ones cheating the system? You know what that cheating the system does? If someone is, and they rarely did cheat the system. It's like, Rarely. Super but hard system to cheat. Even, even if they were cheating the system, you know what they're doing? They're not waiting in the wings to take your job. And the it, capitalist is making this person out to be the bad guy because they want them ready to take your job. You, whenever you worry about people cheating their own system, people, you know, just abusing stuff, abusing these things, if you use abusing, or, you're literally doing the capitalist job of demonizing people into a situation where they're in the wings waiting for your job when they otherwise wouldn't be. You're creating the Industrial Reserve Army. And then you've got to look at the other half of that, which is how do you condition your work? So you have the guy coming to take your job. That's fine. But what if you just think you're hot shit? What about the people that get that get too up in air that are, that are suddenly making more than they're worth to the cow? Again, no, 
whatever what their labor is actually worth, but making too much for their own good. Oh, we've got layoffs, guys. Hey, yep. we're going to do a round of layoffs. And again, we I've efficiency sure I've, experts. I'm sure I've talked about this at numerous length, and it's in the lost episodes, and it's in every other episode of the Sun. Go through a layoff, you will suddenly be again. It's a real good way to find out the to see the sudden truth in marks is. Uh, you can very easily see, oh shit, that's exactly what it did. Because if you've been through a layoff and you think about what that mindset was like and what what that what that makes you feel like and all of that kind of thing. It, it is exactly what Mark's talking about. It makes you desperate for a job. It makes you hungry to go out. And you'll take another job for less money. Because darn it, I just don't. I want a job so bad now, Mr. Job Man. Please give me the job. Yeah. Um, it, it makes you so, it, it, it one, it makes your dependence on capital so fucking obvious that it, it, it's insane. But it makes your dependence you know you're you're an addict. You have no other choice. You're gonna go back. It's just a matter of which capitalist do you go back to, and and you it, it you always then have that fear in the back of your head. It will. It takes a long time to get that to go away. That concept of I oh I don't need a raise. I won't, I'm not gonna just I just I'm just happy to have a job. I'm just happy to be here. I'm happy to work. I'm happy to have a job. Yeah. That is a powerful tool for conditioning your workforce. It is an incredibly powerful tool, mm-hmm. and they use it all the time in layoffs. Not just in layoffs. Technology, technology making you obsolete, convincing you how how at every now you job don't have your skill. Now you're now you got to be valuable. Continuing employment, got to keep going back. Got to got to build skills. Yeah, got to go, go to school. school. Got to learn new continuous things. Continuous training. Yep. Go 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 go. You can't ever be static in this system. You have to be. If, and if you stay static, that is their excuse to get, that is their excuse to, to shove you back into the industrial reserve army. Because mm-hmm. boop, move on. I will get somebody else that can do it for less at a more at, and more convenient time. Bring it on. Let's go. Yep. It is evil. Yep. So up to this point, it has been assumed that the increase or diminution of the variable capital corresponds rigidly with the increase or diminution of the number of laborers employed. The number of laborers commanded by capital may remain the same or even fall while the variable capital increases. This is the case of the individual laborer yields more labor and therefore his wages increase, although his price of labor remains the same or even falls, only more slowly then the mass of labor arises. Increase of variable capital in this case becomes an index of more labor, but not more labor is employed. It is the absolute interest of every capitalist to press a given quantity of labor out of a smaller rather than a greater number of laborers. It costs about the same. In the latter case, the outlay of constant capital increases in proportion to the mass labor set in action. In the former, the increase is much smaller. The more extended the scale of production, the stronger this motive is, the force increases with the accumulation of capital. There is a super important sentence in there, and yeah. it is in the it is the absolute interest of every capitalist to extort a given quantity of labor out of a smaller rather than greater number of workers. Mm-hmm. It costs about if it if it costs about the same. Yes. That ties over to the next, it, it, and there's a section on there, and it goes accelerates the rate of, you know, if the means of production as they increase, in excellent and effective power become to a lesser, become to a lesser extent means for employing workers. This relation is itself in turn modified by the fact that in proportion as the productivity of labor increases, capital increases its supply of labor more quickly than its demand for workers. Mm-hmm. The overwork of the employed part of the working class swells the ranks of the reserve. While conversely, the greater pressure that reserve by its competition exerts on the employed and forces them to submit to overwork and subjects them to the dictates of capital. The condemnation of one part of the working class to enforced idleness by the overwork of the other part and vice versa 
becomes the enriching of individual capitalists, and it accelerates at the same time the production of the Industrial Reserve Army on a scale corresponding the progress of social accumulation. Hey, guys, we have structural unemployment in this country. Uh-huh. Structural unemployment. Now, they had it far worse in Europe, had a, a much bigger deal where they had to bake it in, and we've kind of always been really great at the whole capitalism thing where it doesn't happen. But we have people unemployed. Overtime is still absolutely a thing. People demanding 80 hours out of you, 70 hours out of you, break it back to back to back. Uh, uh, that is still absolutely a thing, too. You, They work against each other. The capitalist is getting it both ways. You are literally, you, 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 you can't be... You can't be working 80 hours and, and have an unemployed guy there and go, well, well, wait, why can't he have it? Why don't I work 40 and he works 40 and we go our separate? Wouldn't yeah. that work better? With it? No, capitalists don't want that. Yeah. They don't want that. They that, want you. That, that overtime from the ec the other 80 would have to cost so much to him. And and maybe time and a half does. I mean, some capitalists want to cut down overtime. But that's cost so much to make it not worth leaving that guy in the Industrial Reserve Army. And for a lot of them, it isn't. That's why the overtime still happens. Exactly. That's why a lot of them go to salary jobs when they can, although they have mm -hmm. to pay so much for that. But it depends on if that's worth it to them. Because leaving someone in the Industrial Reserve Army means a lot. Because here's the deal. And that's what Marx was kind of saying here. It, the variable capital is not just totally... How many people capitalists have employed? But if a capitalist can time it up when he hires, because usually you don't change pay in the middle of hiring someone unless it's a raise. Otherwise, people will quit. So they're more worried about when they hire. If a capitalist can tie up, can time up hiring people when they're when the industrial reserve army is larger, okay, and thus paying them less. And then not replacing them or giving them a raise later because they don't have to. 2008. Yeah, 2008. All of a sudden, he's getting one of those little advantages, like like when you build the machine. But it's not going to go away when everyone else catches up and makes the same machine. It's there until that guy loses his job. Mm -hmm. It's just a magic free gimme. And the bigger the Industrial Reserve Army at any given time, the more you can hire someone off the street and get that advantage. Yep. So they like unemployment. They they only they talk about unemployment being down as a political talking point to get people on board, but capitalists actually like unemployment. This is not and it, it, take it a step further. Capitalists create unemployment for their own benefit intentionally. Yeah. Unemployment is a result of capitalism. It is yeah. a necessity. It is baked into the pie. There is no capitalism with full employment. It mm -hmm. does not work it does not exist and people will point to like the nordic like norway and sweden something like because there were times where they they got to full employment zero employment and they were ostensibly capitalist countries and all of this kind of stuff there are so many factors that played into that with in terms of mass migrations from from eastern bloc countries and stuff like that that oh, overwhelmed yeah. the system and they were just putting they used what they had they had a bunch of reasons well, well shit let's give people jobs so we can get something out of them and not put them on the dole because we are have we have a heavily incentivized welfare system they, they would put them they would make uh, let people have jobs it would create jobs from almost in a keynesian kind of style well and but also don't forget not... the exploitation of the global south exactly, needed to hold that out exactly it, don't ever get it confused capitalists require unemployment for their little party to work mm -hmm. it, it is it is not natural it is not a necessity it is not required yeah. it is not anything other than a tool they use to increase the rate of exploitation yeah and, and that's again you know i mean when capitalists see you know communism go over and succeed somewhere in asia it's not just that they're not pillaging that oil that matters to them it's not just that, you know, communism realizes a good thing in America is a threat to them losing their power. It's also that they're imperialist. 
the entire world is is resource for their industrial reserve army. And if a country is communist, that's digging into their industrial reserve army. That's not fucking cool to them. If India go makes the could could make the push. If India was ever teetering on communism, well, there's there's some there's there's some MLMs doing a lot of work. They are do and and God bless them because that that. You oh want God, to see India a, plus China, the two most populated countries in the you, world. Do, do, if that that would be your that would be your trigger for it. You want to see what what global conflict would look like again? That would trigger one right there. Yeah. Because that you want to know what would terrify them more than anything is that amount of people out of the industrial reserve army. Yeah, that would it be, is intense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're already shitting themselves that China's going back away from a market, back to a more pure, pure mm-hmm. communist oh, yeah. uh, thing because the the uh, the uh, reforms Deng did after the um, what do you call it? Um, post cultural revolution. Post cultural revolution uh, that he did, you know, are are not seen as necessary anymore to <laughs> to prevent imperialism. So they're they're kind of going back and doing like they're they reduce poverty insane amounts in China, and you see what's going on. They're flipping out. They're they're making up this thing about Uyghur Muslims trying to cut off the Silk Road trade or not. So what is it called now? It's Silk Road's like the old medieval one. What's there's some name for the the physical trade routes in China there. Um, you know, but that's where if you look at where this Eastern Turkmenistan, it's right in China's trade routes. Mm. You know, and and of course you go there and it's like pictures of actual schools. They're like, oh my God, they're oppressing people. They're doing videos of like Pakistani police beating guys. They're like, look, look at this Uyghur Muslim being beat for being Muslim. And it's, it's all fucking nonsense. It's just made up garbage. I think it all originally came from a UN report where one guy said he saw something and the other nine said, no, we were there with him. And he just made that up. And then like all the major publications just ran for it. Uh, and of course, you know, it's the imperialist left that's more important because the right wingers would just say kill China for, for oh, fun. Oh, yeah, no, they would. Liberals would just go, oh, yeah, just tell me they hack the elections and they'll go for it. It's the it's the left, oh, the social God. Democrats, the people that pose as socialists that'll go, oh, my God, save the Uyghur Muslim. That's who they need to get on board. And that's why, like, Jacobin and, you know, the Intercept, they need those guys to think China is evil. Um, but you see that big push for that. You know, you see these wars in the South China Sea. China has boats in, it's called the South China, China sea. fucking Sea. Of course they have boats there. And how dare they invade the South China Sea? They're trying to stir up stuff with Taiwan. You see that happening because China's going back to a more planned economy like it had before. And of course it's reducing the poverty. Huawei, the Huawei. The Huawei. Yeah, the Huawei, Huawei arrests. The, 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 all the, and the, 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 well, they're spies. Yeah, spy- all their phones are spies. You can't have their phone because it's spy because they're they're close with the Chinese government, and that that yeah. means they must be spies. By literally, they said that they said, well, because it comes out of China and they are close with the Chinese Communist Party, they are by definition threats to U.S. security. Yeah, yeah, and and, and huh? what was the actress that huh? uh, she did huge tax evasion, got busted, was on just house arrest for a few months, and everybody acted like she got disappeared off the face of yeah, the earth, fucking... and she was on social media on Weibo, the Chinese social media, going, yeah, I'm on house arrest, I fucked up. It's, like, it wasn't even a secret. It's, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's you know. and it's awful. Yeah, yeah. But and again, so, yeah, I mean, I agree with the India go, statement. The lengths they will go to protect the industrial reserve mm-hmm. because it is so... It's gr- vital, though. The, the falling... When we were... The, the, the Iron Curtain... And, and, of course, you know, obviously we're talking about Venice. Brazil was just a big win for them in their industrial mm-hmm. reserve army. And they're going to slaughter indigenous people and slaughter trans people. It's just a horrible fucking fascist. And now they get to threaten Venezuela... Tear up the Amazon, and that's a huge. And it's not nowhere near like an Asian country population, but it's a huge population well, in Brazil. Yeah. And and now they've just got that thrown in their industrial reserve army. And you saw the Economist was openly celebrating shit, you know. But the Bolsonaro 
uh, win. I the mean, econ- just, yeah, the economists were like, Bolsonaro's yeah, kind of nice, did, but he's got some good ideas. Right, and you didn't exactly see the U.S. people that are talking about, oh, we need federal democracy. You didn't see any of them, you know, sitting there screaming like free Lula. No. You're never going to see that shit in the U.S. It doesn't. Yeah, so they, they just want their industrial reserve on. It's this, and it, the, the iron curtain. Oh, we got to stop the foot. Yeah. yeah they don't let anybody out. Those horrible communist they countries. Go. They go. They keep taking all <laughs> these people that were free, easily exploitable labor. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to sit down and say the to part that says, the Industrial Reserve Army, during the periods of stagnation and average prosperity, weighs down the la- active labor army, or during periods of overproduction and and paroxysm holds its pretensions in check. The Industrial Reserve Army is always working against you, no matter how the economy is looking. That's all I've got on section three. Taking them as a whole, the general movement of wages are exclusively regulated by the expansion and contraction of the Industrial Reserve Army. And this, in turn, corresponds to the periodic alterations of the alternations of the industrial cycle. This goes back to what you said, that... How wages work and whether we're doing better or worse is not tied to, it is literally tied to how big is the Industrial Reserve Army and the Industrial Reserve Army size is always tied to capitalism has these fun, predictable booms and busts. Uh-huh. So we know there will be a bust. They, per, they they rely on there being bust. There has to be or the system wouldn't work because when it busts, hire everybody back up and that's how you get your things going again. It, it is for the system to work, there has to be. This is not like a, a oh well, if it if it was run poorly, it would it would bust. But we can we can no, under no system of capitalism would you get consistent, stable. Everything's fine. There's always yeah. boom. There's always bust. They need it. Yes. So then we're gonna go on to section four, is the general law of capitalist accumulation. Oh boy. So the relative surplus population exists in every possible form. Every laborer belongs to it during the time when he is only partially employed or wholly unemployed, not taking into account the great periodically recurring forms from the changing phases of the industrial cycle of press on it, now an acute form of crisis, then again a chronic during dull times. It always has three forms, the floating, the latent, and the stagnant. And now, this is this is going through a lot of this is going to, this is borderline, it, it still exists and we can tie it forward. Yeah. yeah, some of this stuff is very dated because just the, the material conditions of the time are completely different. Yes. But we can still I, I, tie I just, most of this I just Yeah, I just want to summarize it because some of this is dated. So, again, this is a good section. I actually highlighted a lot, but I don't think I, I want to read everything I highlighted just because yeah, I, think it's I important. feel it's better summarized. It, it really is. And, again, the whole the whole gist here is Mark says there are we, – we just went through the Industrial Reserve Army and why it's important. Yeah. This is Mark's explaining – what constitutes the industrial reserve? Yeah. How do you get people in there? Yeah. What are the categories? So there's floating surplus population. These are people that go in and out of employment. You weren't hired from one company and worked for General Electric for 50 years. You you get employed, you lose your job, you hire someone else, you lose your job, you hire someone else, you lose your job. Pretty pretty normal thing, okay? Mm-hmm. And then you have the latent surplus population. Uh, agriculture industry is always getting smaller, and we still see it. It's always getting yes. smaller. Um, and when people leave agriculture and go into some kind of, manu- Mark said manufacturing, but really any labor, service, anything else. It's when people switch into a more prominent industry. Yes. So, you know, so la- uh, manufacturing, service, transportation, out of agriculture or, you know, any other old dying industry. Okay. And then there's the stagnant surplus Real population. quick, because this is, a, and it, this is not a, it, it's not important to this, but this is, you want to talk about. It is important to understand the history of this and where it came from. Um, it, they did, 
there was a section of the surplus army that was from you just got worked to death essentially yeah. which the the Japanese I know still have a word for that word basically death by overwork but uh, it, this was important to me so the medical officer for the health of Manchester stated that the average age of death in Manchester for the upper middle class was 38 years so yeah. average median lifespan 38 years yeah Average death of the laboring class, 17. Jesus Christ. In Liverpool, it was 35 and 15. It was literally a tangible, you're going to die because you're poor. And the work you have to do because you're poor will kill you. And yes. it will kill you quick. And it's it's less like, I, well, I mean, I'm sure there's still tangible numbers like this. You have trans people's life expectancies, what, yes. 35? Yes. And again, these numbers well, trans these numbers people. are much, so again, in, in modern, in, in fun, in the, in the industrialized world, you see this a lot less. You can absolutely still find this. Again, go to well, the life areas. expectancy in the United States is lower than Cuba right now. It's lower than Cuba. Because yep. Cuba, I mean, it's insanely good, you know, poor's relative. We talked about if you have everything, who cares if you make three dollars a year if you have everything you need exactly right and, exactly. and cuban people make you know more than that still uh even if it's not a lot comparatively to us but they have everything they need uh they have much better health care so there's reasons for that higher life expectancy but also look at at the united states the reason our average life expectancy is lower the rich person in the united states anyone who makes above 90 percent income has a higher life expectancy than anyone in cuba yep. okay it's that the rest of us are dragging that down. Mm -hmm. So our life expectancy is not only less than Cuba, it's less than Cuba, less the rich people skewing our numbers. Yeah. Our life expectancy is not that fucking... It's not really 79 Get, the, out, get the outliers out of there and right. we, we could really do some Right, some I mean, you want to do statistics in the right way. It's not really 79. It's more like 75 for women and 72 for men. Yeah. You know, and that's assuming like a, a lot of health and you get into like, you know, the, the, the poorer you are, the more indigenous or black you are. Uh, and it's a more if you no. are indigenous or well, black, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, if you're if you're trans instead of, you know, cisgendered. I mean, those things, your life expectancy is suddenly plummeted. You know, I mean, if you're gay instead of straight, it's, it's still it's, plummeting. You know, it's it's it, it. So you literally see this, and of course, the biggest thing, and 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 you can see, you know, some of these you can distinctly see the race because of the racism. It's a real, yeah. real construct. But some of it you could see race, and one of the tools of racism is just holding people in class. Yeah. Like the white population is overwhelmingly, uh, you know. Uh, richer than the black population. So if you look just class is the clearest distinctor. The poorer you are, the less you're going Holy. to live. And you can see, it, but there are still people that will do apologisms for, for capitalism. Well, but no, but the overall, obviously this is incorrect, Marx. This is not, people don't, it doesn't lead to just pure misery or anything like that. You know, people aren't dying anymore. We, we got better. The long course, the neoliberal, the long Never mind the, that it all happened in the last hundred years the long while socialism course of history, actually existed Everything's in the world. going better. Everything's getting better. <laughs> Ignore that, even though, look at the global... Oh, if don't you, look, you do that. Oh, what's the fucking Harvard douche guy? Um, Pinker. Oh, yeah, don't do that shit. He's an idiot. I know. But the look at the global south. Yep. This is still a, in the in, there are still places that follow almost identical Marx's yep. model. There, 35 you can and 15. And you yeah. can still find these examples all throughout the world in places that capitalism is exploiting to its in its purest form. And those are still capitalists. Yes. You say you say, "Oh, man, people in Africa are dying so much and look what they've done." But anyway, in the Congo, the Congo. Oh, you know, yeah. 
Um, look These at, are still market economies. These are still capitalist yeah. economies, or they're capital, or they're economies that capitalists are actively exploiting as colonies. Yeah. In the 21st century. Yeah, I mean, that's still capital. So you say capital works great. Well, capital works great if you're the exploiter. And again, yep. that's just golden links on our chains. Well, and all of the gains we got, we siphoned from socialism. All that stuff came in the last hundred years. And I would put it on computers as much as socialism. Computers were just kind of a, a, a chance stumble on. And as much as technology always advances over time, that took the advancements and started making them exponential. Excellent. So I don't want to put it all in socialism. Computers did a lot too. But you had computers and socialism. Both happened in the last hundred years. Neither of those are capitalism. They're an army invention that happens to work really well to expand technology and socialism. And those are what we have in the last 100 years. That's the only difference. And all of these jumps in life expectancy, all these jumps in population, they all happened in the last 100 years. And that's the other part is... Through the two world wars. And this is where it comes to when we talk about, especially when David, because David is, is far better articulating it than I am. And it, it's just suddenly, it, I've just started to kind of see it more... When we talk about we have to, have to free the global south and we have to, have to liberate and make sure that these people have the right to Mm self-determination, you think, we think here in in America, well, okay, I'm not a capitalist. I can think in my head, I am not a capitalist. I am not exploiting anyone's free labor. Okay, I can at least feel better. I use that as some sort, and you see a lot of it is a lot of people on the left, well, okay, I'm good and I buy my free trade, free coffee and all. And I take, if you live in this country, you are exploiting someone in the global period. You can't even try not to. You can't even pretend not. You have to recognize that. You have to acknowledge that outright. Say it. I I, I only am able to... The, the things I have, the things I buy, are subsidized through the global south. They are. You are exploiting someone else's labor. You may not like it. You don't have to like it. But you better sure as fuck do something about it and, 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 and try... If you're not trying to get away from that system, you are just complicit in exploiting people that you can't see. And that's not any better. Yep. Um, And so the last part of Section 4, since we're summarizing, again, I have some (laughs) rights, but I think we're summarizing, is a stagnant surplus population. And this is a real thing. This is very real, and you can see this today. This is people in the lowest class. They just kind of bounce job to job. They can't really stay employed. They're they're the unemployed, the the homeless, and, and... there's a thing in Section 5, and again, oh, we're probably just going to skip Section 5. Yeah, we're all together. Section 5 is, is completely... But there's a thing about nomad population. Yeah. That's a very real thing in the United States still yes. today. And they're part of the stagnant surplus I, population. And it is... It, it's the a, people that, that are just... And, and again, you know, they're, they're the people that these social programs were helping for a short period of time in order to compete with socialism. And then now they're the demons. And you, so they're set right back to the people waiting to take our jobs. It's, it's ba- lumpen proletariat is what the, yeah. you know, the, the underclass is a bet. All of these are pejorative terms to a certain degree. I don't think there's a good. A but get, stagnant surplus stag- population that is what, he is what it does socially in capitalism. And it's, and again. It's a requirement. It's a thing that the system will create by its nature every single time. There is yep. no system of capitalism that gets away from it. Um, you're always going to create. Because, again, things that fall into um, this. So, pauperism falls into stagnant population. Yep. Or, or Pauperism is outside of the Industrial Reserve Army as far as they're concerned. Um, they don't consider them part of. Because these are people that, by according to, the, to Marxist standards or according to capitalism standards are not trying, are never going to be, they're not going to threaten your ability to get your job because they're not going to come for your job. They, they live in a different strata of society. 
I think he called what, vagabonds, criminals, prostitutes, yeah. and the fact that prostitutes get lumped into that is a... Yeah, well, uh, yeah I know, yeah. Uh, but... Yeah, good good work there. Um, people that are, are too weak to work, are unable to work, the infirm, um, the... Uh, uh, people that have been broken by the system, people that got their arms ripped off in the thresher and cannot, he's not coming for your job anymore. His arms are in the thresher. Yeah. Like they are not part of that industrial reserve army. They are kind of sub to it. Yeah. Um, this is in between that and the rest of the industrial reserve. Army. This exactly. Is, this is the people that, that just, you know, that, that, that dude that, that, you know, um, lives in his parents' basement and can't seem to hold a job, and da, 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 you know, I mean, and not not the the rich Nazi guys live in their parents' basement, and that's stagnant, and that's stagnant. That's the, not the, pauperism. Yeah. I think I I didn't delineate the two properly. Yeah. Pauperism is kind of outside of. That. Yeah, stagnant is the people that are always trying for jobs, but they just can't seem to hold a job for more than a few months, and you know, there's people like that. Yeah, anyone. You know? I mean, people that people, especially people that suffer for any sort of addictions, yes. you see it fall in the stagnant population constantly. Especially the opioid crisis Me- creates this better people than with anything. mental illness that are good enough to work, but then yes. they struggle to say work. Yes. Other forms of disability, yep. but good enough to work. Yes, you know? the, the autistic community sees this a lot, a heavy, heavy amount. I know my brother. Um, there are there are, and there are great organizations that are trying to help mm-hmm. find. Now again, the fact that we have to. <laughs> The fact that they have to find a way to incorporate them into fucking capitalism as opposed to just the state should fucking be able to provide uh, a base level of care for human beings. Whatever, we can think of that what you will. But you see them because of their various nature. They can work a job for a couple of weeks and then there will be an incident of something. Something something happens, something comes up. Now, again, I'm not talking yeah. about... I have, a, I, you know, I have a sister who's bipolar and, and she has manic stages of depressive stage. She either you know isn't coming in for work for a yeah. couple of days or she's struggling to communicate people when she's there. And it blows you know, up. And again, it these blows people, up. This... They're, these are people that literally, through no fault of their own, almost all times, yeah. are are getting. Uh, this is in large part the, the, the homeless population, and I, I tied it yes. obviously to the nomad thing in the next section, which we'll mostly skip. But it, just you understand what the word nomad. Itinerant worker, itinerant worker, people that move again, immigrant people that immigrate, basically where yeah. work is. You're gonna move where the weather goes. You're you're, you know, you kind of move as it, as is necessary mm-hmm. for nomads. Yep. Um, and so section five is just a bunch of dated stuff where Marx is saying, okay, we've spent all this time doing if stuff's perfect. We haven't gotten into the other theories where we're isolating other conditions. I'm just going to show you some real world examples. Okay. Hey, I am a materialist. Yeah. I've done plenty of examples here. Here's the example to say this is right. And then move on. And, and, and these and are not... all hardcore concrete examples of the number. This is trying to show his work in real world scenarios. Yeah. And to be perfectly right, honest, they're... but they're so dated. And I think it's just going to, if you people. want, if you're interested in that, if if you're someone that's like, God damn it, I have to see it on paper. I won't believe it. I don't believe this Section abstraction. Section not that bad of a read for all the charts and graphs. It's and very and charts. good for that. If you want a more recent one that actually does show its work on this kind of stuff, uh, uh, capitalism, Piketty's uh, Capitalism in the 21st Century mm-hmm. uh, did all of this. They, he, uh, they updated the work. And there are a lot of uh, mathematical uh, uh, Marxists that have gone through and done the actual proofs on this in more recent times. Mm-hmm. I can't think. But but Piketty's work, I think, is the most considered the most definitive in terms of its by a modern economist done analytically and analyzes census data and shows exactly this. So again, if you wanted to get the gist of chapter five, but you want it in a more modern form, uh, grab capitalism in the 21st century. Uh, by the way, it's almost as, it's as big as this book. So you're, you'll, you'll, <laughs> you'll suffer for that decision. Trust us. But if you don't want to, there's where your numbers lie. Yes. And so next time we'll get into uh, the so-called uh, primitive accumulation. <sighs> Until then, spoiler alert, next section is by far 
far my favorite section of this entire book. It's it's uh, big. It's it good. is I, my I like it is lot. this is this if you're someone that does that the theory isn't getting it to you, you need uh, uh, tangible examples and the rage is building within you. Oh, buddy, get ready for next time because it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be a fun one for us. Yes, and I think next next section sets the stage for everything else we're gonna read. Yes, this really, really is. Really we well. have this has been if you've gotten through this and this is important. We talk about it. You need that theory. You need a, a base to be able to work off of. Uh, we suffer a lot to get through the base. This is not an easy work to get through. You are if you've made it this far. Congratulations! You're through the most difficult part of Capital. You've gotten there. Yeah, everything's easy street from here. Everything else is just historical citing the work and rage-inducing examples of how capitalism has ruined history. Yeah, and uh, everything after Capital is stuff like Lenin, which is much more. Engaging. But we've, we're going to ground ourselves, and then from here we're going to get into okay. We know we know what we need to do. How the fuck do we do it, and what does that look like? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be it's it, it's going to get fun from here, guys. Yeah. So thank you for sticking with us. Yep. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye.